Hey, y'all, welcome back to the Late Night Vision Show. This is episode number 215. My name is Jason. I'm the owner of Outdoor Legacy. And as always, I've got Hans with me uh, from the Hans East Texas YouTube channel. What is going on tonight, sir? I feel like when you open the show, people are like, Hans's face looks like plaster or frozen because your countdowns are so funky that I never know when you, you start, you stop counting at five and this is behind the scenes stuff, but it, it it's, I don't know. You, I'm keeping you on your toes. I want it I to be know. natural. I don't. You stop counting the countdown at five and then it's like, okay, guess when you're going to start talking. Uh, anyway, no, it is great to be back. Y'all, we got a fun show. This, I love, so today we're going to be doing uh listener questions and we're going to be given answers hopefully good enough answers for hopefully the answers yeah hopefully answers but i love these kind of shows they are uh they're fun uh, hopefully y'all get something out of it because these questions are taken right from y'all but before we jump into it i want to show everybody and i'll tell for people that aren't watching on youtube we have and this is the brand new agm adder now these are demos. Uh, we, I literally, it's still in the box because I just went and picked it up from the shipping store uh, this uh, just a few minutes ago. Got it. Uh, but you and I, Jason, we're going to be testing these. Like I said, these are demos. These are not in stock yet. Uh, it is uh, what beginning of June of 2022. Mm -hmm. uh, we will have these in stock uh, as soon as they fully release it. But we are going to start testing it. We're going to be doing a review on it very soon. Cannot wait. To get this thing on a rifle because it is what everybody's been talking about basically since yeah. January. I don't even think Hans has really taken his out of the box yet. I, t I we both got them about fifteen minutes it's, ago. Yeah, and it's not UPS out of the box. Yeah, it's out of the cardboard I, box, but not out of the AGM yeah, box. I, I ripped mine open like a, a, a kid at Christmas, and I kept saying, "Have you looked at this? Have you looked at that? I haven't opened it yet." <laughs> like, open it, uh, folks. Right. Listen, we got a lot of reviews coming, and I know we've been doing a lot. And if you're bored with those, I'm sorry, there's going to be more. Uh, I was just sitting here kind of scratching a list of things that are either in our possession now or about to be in our possession, things that, that we, we just need to review. This is just a short list I came up with. Um, obviously, we'll be doing the AGM adders. We've got the iRay Micro 384 uh, to review. We've got the Pulsar. Uh, this is a big one. Thermion. 2 XP50 Pro, the non-LRF version. We're going to be reviewing that very soon. Uh, iRays got just announced uh, last week. The Zoom. Uh, no, 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 no. Sorry. They just announced the um, the Bolt mm -hmm. TH50C. Yeah. That That's what they just announced that. We haven't got our hands on those as of recording this. That is going to be their 640 uh, 50 millimeter version of the bolt. Uh, we've also just got these in hand, the iRay Zoom ZH50 uh, handheld monocular. We've got the AGM Varmint 384s. We haven't done those. Uh, this is going to be an interesting one. A lot of, a lot of requests. The Pulsar Krypton, the clip-on, their 640 version. Going to do one of those. Uh, the new Pulsar Axion XM30F. We haven't done it. So that's just a short list I scratched while we were just sitting here getting ready. we got a lot of reviews coming, mm -hmm. folks. So definitely subscribe uh, to the channel, and you won't miss any of these. If, if there's any of these that you're really interested in, stay tuned. Mm -hmm. uh, you can see right there that list. I mean, if we started you know, next week, that's going to take us a couple months to just yeah. to get through those. And there's some other stuff I'm sure I've left off. So stay tuned, folks. 
Uh, the Late Night Vision Show is your source for everything night vision and thermal hunting related uh, reviews, discussions. We're going to do it on this show. That's right. And Jason's telling me, go out, Hans, get lots of video, go hunt, get a bunch of video. And I'm like, it's 90 degrees outside. There is no oh, wind. Miserable. It, it, I'll tell you, the last two nights, it has been just, just. Nut. I mean, it's humid. Oh, man, it is not fun. That's but, bad. hey, we got the best job in the world. What can we complain about, right? That's right. So That's right. Before we get jump into these uh, listener questions, which we've got a, we've got a great list of them, um, if you are interested in any night vision or thermal optic, you can talk to Jason or I any day, Monday through Friday, eight to five. Give us a call, 877-350-1818. You can find all of our products, uh, all of the scopes, uh, optics that we talk about on the show. You can find them on the website, outdoorlegacygear.com. But if you're confused, you need help, uh, give us a call. We may confuse you more or we may solve all your problems. (laughs) But uh, we we, we want your business. We want your business. We want to earn it. And we do. I tell you... um, we probably hunt and test just as many, if not more, optics than any any other company out there as far as hunting with these oh. and personal hands-on experience with these optics out in the field in real conditions, not just walking out into a parking lot and looking at a gas station next door. Uh, <laughs> we go out, we exactly. hunt with it. We're gonna we're gonna tell you what to expect and uh, and give you a, give you an honest assessment. So anyway, you can call us and you can talk to us directly. All right, Jason. Question number one from a listener. Now, this is from uh, Clark. I'm not going to say these city names because, man, we did this last time. We're, like, trying to read the city name. Yeah, we screwed up all the city yeah, names. Yeah, and I butchered yeah. it, and I got made fun of. Anyway, Clark from Oklahoma uh, wants to know, Jason, what is – this is an interesting question because I think I know the answer, and I'll give you what my favorite is, and it may be the same. Uh, what's your favorite handheld base mag and why? So base magnification Ooh. is what he's talking about if for all you. Know. So base magnification, what's your favorite base magnification yeah, the, that, the, to start the out? Native magnification. Correct. Yeah. So if if you don't know what he means, it's low as it starts. So if you're coming from the daytime world and you've got a three to nine scope, you know, it starts at three power. That's the low as it goes, the native. So for me, I mean if I have to pick one, it's gonna be two power. Uh, I I prefer um, I could use a one and a half. There's some times I like the ones with, you know, no magnification, uh, but I prefer a little bit. Uh, one and a half is okay. I think that two is a sweet spot. I can deal with two and a half. I personally, I don't want more than two and a half. And, mm. and two is really, really the sweet spot mm. for me. And the reason is, is because uh, when I'm scanning, I want a wide field of view. And I want to be able to quickly and easily spot and find the animal without, uh, you know, missing it and with the least amount of, of having to, to, you know, move around. If I have a higher magnification, what I'm going to have is a narrower field mm-hmm. of view, generally speaking, and that's going to require me to move physically a whole lot more and I take a bigger chance on missing something. Mm-hmm. Now. I'm going to get off in the weeds here a little bit. I'm going to say something about field of view that I think, um, especially with handheld scanners, this is something that I think is important. It's never talked about. I rarely talk about it myself, uh, but I'm always thinking of it when I'm talking to customers about handhelds. Mm -hmm. It's not just your horizontal field of view. It is your vertical field of view. And and the way that field of view normally works is the narrower it is 
ver uh, horizontally, the narrower it will be vertically. And you go, well, why is that important? Well, here's why. Um, over all the years of all the testing, the different optics that we've used from scopes to handhelds, a lot of them are higher base magnification than maybe what I need or what I prefer. Yep. And there has been more than one time, and Hans knows where I'm going with this, where I'm looking and I'm looking out at a field. I mean, I'm looking out there, whatever, 200, 300, 500, however many yards it is. And then somehow I catch something that is out there at 50 yards mm -hmm. that I've looked over its head because my vertical field of view is narrow and I have just clean looked over that animal's head. Right. It's really a problem if you're in an elevated position, yeah. um, whether that's just on a little bit of a hill, you know, looking down into a, a creek bottom or, you know, maybe you're in the back of your pickup truck or you're in a stand or wherever that gets even worse because now you're already higher. Mm -hmm. And so, Again, I mean, that's not something that I know most people are sitting around thinking about the vertical field of view, but it goes hand in hand with your, your horizontal. So right. I really like, really, two power is just the sweet spot for me. Uh, if you're in big fields, you know, I mean, two and a half, that's fine. If, if you're in big fields and you think you maybe need the three power, you're looking at a long range, I think that's fine. If you're somebody that's like in the woods, yeah. say you're back in the brush, uh, maybe hunting food plots, log sets, or in big timber, I would say two power is too much. Mm -hmm. I mean, at that point, ideally you want a one power, which is no magnification, maybe a one and a half. But so I'll say it again, my personal preference for what the way I hunt, about two powers, what I prefer. Yeah. Hans? What say you? Yeah, exactly the same. Two power. So what I will say is, um, as somebody that does a lot of coyote hunting uh, and hog hunting, you know, that wide field of view when you're coyote hunting is so important because you've got coyotes that mm -hmm. are running from behind you uh, to the side of you uh, or, you know, just, just coming along your peripheral uh, around the sides yeah. that you, if yeah. you don't have a wide field of view, you can really miss. I, the reason, even for guys that are, that are still have wide open spaces. Yes. Two and a half, uh, it is okay. Um, and that's probably the max that I would want to go. Uh, mm -hmm. for me, I, scanning with a one power as, like I said, as somebody that coyote hunts a lot is tough. It really is. Um, mm -hmm. and like you said, if you're setting in wood sets, log sets and stuff, then you definitely one power is going to be ideal. But if you're looking to do a lot of just the different types of night hunting hog, predator or anything mm -hmm. two power is really uh is really the the preferred magnification for a lot of people including us so i do agree with you on that and i've even found myself using two and a half power i'm thinking man this is sure this is a little more than i like uh, and that doesn't yep. seem like a big difference but there's a there's a quite a bit of different diff yeah there. between two and a half and two so um, yeah, no, yeah, I agree. So, so we both like two power. I think that's the I, that's the consensus. And again, I mean, listen, guys, this is a personal preference. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's guys that have been doing this for for a long, long time, and they're going to go, "Oh no, I love three power or whatever," and that's fine. But I do think, for all the reasons we kind of outlined, the wider field of view and staying in that two two and a half power, I think, is where most people are going to want to be. Yep. All right, next question here. All right, so. Let me mark this one off. All right. Making sure I'm following our list here. Um, Hans, this question uh, is for you, and uh, this is, this is going to be a big one. So mm. 
It's with the price of corn going through the roof. What are some alternatives to hog baiting options? And folks, uh, again, as Hans mentioned, this is you know June of 2022. Right now, I mean, I, I know there's some some places you may find corn for ten dollars a fifty. I mean, mm -hmm. I keep hearing of this. Some of these buckies in some of these places, they're probably selling it as a loss leader. But where I'm at, whether you're buying it, you know, at, at like tractor supply feed stores, uh, at Woods, you know, I don't know what you've got at mm -hmm. these kind of places. Corn right now is about thirteen to fifteen dollars a fifty. Mm -hmm. And I actually saw a receipt somebody posted on Facebook or Instagram somewhere in a social media about a week ago. I sent it to Hans. It was from a feed store in uh, Longview, Texas. And what what was that per fifty? I forgot. Hans, was it like I sent it to you? It was like seventeen dollars or something yeah. to fifty. Yeah, it was and yeah, something like that. Yeah. And so I was talking to one of our customers that that called the other day and um, he is uh he's a corn farmer and he said we were kind of talking about these prices and he goes, Well, just FYI, this corn you're buying, the price is going up because it's a commodity. You're buying last year's corn. Mm -hmm. He said, wait until I harvest my corn at $6 a gallon diesel with, you know, combines, 18 wheelers, taking it to the mm -hmm. co-op, then it getting trucked all over the world. He's like, it's fixing to go through the roof. So mm -hmm. Hans, what are the alternatives? Is there anything you would suggest to people or maybe how to use less corn? I mean, what, what would you yeah, suggest so here? People still wanting to hunt hogs. This has been a big dilemma that's been weighing on my mind for a while now, ever since people talked about the price of corn going up. And, and I experienced it here in my small little town where I was getting corn uh, at just under $10 for a 50-pound bag um, in almost overnight fashion. It went from nine fifty to twelve fifty, And you know, you're like, well, it's just a couple bucks more, but gosh, it's going to continue to go up. And for those that of y'all that hog hunt a lot or deer hunt a lot, you know, taking a look and, 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 you know, thinking about what you're going to do. I've got a buddy that they have a, a big deer lease and he's counting up, you know, how many feeders he has mm. and the, the pound of corn that each feeder will hold and the price difference. And it's, it's a lot of money. I think he said it costs them $800 on last year's prices just to fill up all their feeders one time, gosh. you know, so that, mm. gosh, it, you know, it, it's been weighing on my mind. So what I've done, I've taken, I, I had a couple hanging feeders, just small hanging feeders that spread out corn every day. I took those down. Those held about, held about 25 pounds of, of corn each, uh, because I, you know, after watching the cameras and seeing what was popping up on them, I just, I'm tired of feeding crows and raccoons <laughs> and any other <laughs> little forest animal that just wants to get a free meal, uh, especially when you're talking about, you know, possibly $20 for a 50 pound bag of corn. So <laughs> what ridiculous. I've gone back to, to doing uh, is a couple things. And I may even uh, go down even more. Uh, I used to go and I would, I've had a, you know, some places I'd have a hanging feeder out of a tree. And I'd go out mm -hmm. and I'd spray spread corn on the ground. I'd put out scent, you know, like um, different powders and stuff, you know, to throw up a good scent. I've stopped doing all that. So what I'm only running now are pig pipes, and I'm still doing bait holes. And instead of uh, throwing it on the ground, every every morsel of corn goes into a pig pipe or a hole. So what I am doing yeah. is I'm digging a hole with a, a pulse hole, hole digger a couple feet deep, and I'm filling it about halfway with 
with soured corn. And what I'm what I'm doing, I'm souring a, a, a corn. Basically, you you know, I've, I've got made a video on how to sour corn. But basically, you're you're getting a five gallon bucket. You're filling it about halfway with uh, dry corn, deer corn, filling it with water, uh, with some um, yeast product, maybe some powdered jello or powdered sugar or something like that to make it ferment basically and it gets real stinky and the water gets it's just real nasty well that'll last a long time because all you got to do is put a little dry corn in that hole and then a couple scoops of that that soured corn and that that'll throw up the scent that's just enough to attract them to that bait hole so i may at some point stop doing the pig pipes because squirrels can get into it the birds can still peck the corn out of those the the pig pipe holes uh, the deer are still knocking it around, stealing the corn. So the bait holes have been most effective for me keeping critters away from it because the, you know, the raccoons really can't get in it that well. The deer can't get their head down in there to get the corn. Really the only thing uh, that can get to it are the hogs because they will dig down in that hole to get that corn at the bottom of the hole. So like I said, mm-hmm. I've, I've stopped throwing corn out just on the ground. I've stopped doing feeders. Uh, I'm only doing uh, bait holes and pig pipes at this point. So it's, it's, that's my alternative. And like I said, it, I may stop doing pig pipe and only go to the bait hole. Uh, if, you know, if this thing mm-hmm. continues to go the way it is, but like I said, I, I'm just tired of throwing out corn and feeding all every animal in the forest. <laughs> and it yeah, just gets expensive, right. man. So uh, I would, I would really, if you're, out throwing out a 50 pound bag of ground just uh corn just on the ground uh liberally you know where anything could get it i would really suggest taking that bag of corn taking half of it souring it and doing a bait hole instead uh, that's what I, it'll last a whole heck of a lot longer than just throwing out a bag on the ground now i want to say one thing to that um there's some people that are listening to this going yeah it makes total sense there's other people that uh live on uh, this gumbo red clay that like I do. And, and what that means is uh, if you know what, what this gumbo red clay is, uh, it's got two states. It's got gumbo mud. You can't peel the stuff off your feet. It is red mud. It is the nastiest thing. Uh, it, it, you can't dig a hole in it because it's just slop. And then after about two weeks of no rain, it turns into concrete. And then you can't dig a hole in it. You'll, you'll, you'll bend your post hole digger. Yeah. So I, I have been with Hans, and he's got a, a sandier sole mm-hmm. and a sandier loam. So he can dig a, you know, like a normal size post hole pretty easily. I mean, it's still some work, but it's nothing like what we've got. I can't do that. And what I say is if I dug a hole that was, you know, two foot deep and I filled it full of corn, it would probably rot there because even a hog couldn't <laughs> dig down that far to get right. there. It, so, so what? What I'm having to do is is go to the pig pipes because mm. Hans is right. My problem with pig pipes is I get coons that get educated and they start working in teams yeah. and there'll be like three of yeah. them and they start they get side by side and I'm not joking about this. I was on camera and they start rolling it. Yeah. They all start rolling and they make like one revolution. And they've dropped a little bit of corn out, and they all stop, and they eat a little bit, and they roll it around mm-hmm. again. So coons can be a problem. You know, like he said, squirrels. Man, I've had squirrels. They'll eat a hole in it, and then it's just like a buffet. But uh, I do think that pig pipes, for me, are still a way to get the corn out and 
uh, not just dumping it out. I mean, you dump 50 pounds of, of corn on the ground in a night, and if you got hogs and they come to it, they will stay there until the whole corn is gone. Mm-hmm. I mean, all of it. Mm-hmm. And the one thing about those pig pipes is they will get tired of rolling that thing eventually. You know, and then they'll leave. They'll come back tomorrow, whatever. So um, Hans, is, his idea of digging those bait holes, I've seen it. It works fantastic. They do have to work to dig down there. Um, he's got videos uh, with hogs with their head completely oh, down yeah. in these holes, and it's it's really cool. But for me, pig pipes is probably where where I'm going. Uh, and then when it comes deer season this fall, I mean, I'm definitely going to go probably to uh, you know electric motor feeders, but yeah. feeding not that much, that's for sure. <laughs> and and you know it's. It's going to be interesting, but I don't. I don't think it's going to get cheaper anytime soon. It's yep. probably just going to get worse. So, all right, all right. Next question. Yeah. As, oh, this one's for it's me. It's for you, Jason. This is from uh, Sean in uh, in Florida. He wants to know uh, what do you think of thermal binoculars versus monoculars, uh, mainly and specifically about the Accolade and the new mergers that are going to be coming out. So, what do you okay. prefer, binoculars or monoculars? So, monoculars, next question. No. <laughs> All right. So, I, I prefer a monocular, but I want to say this. The binoculars, and th- they have a place. There's not a lot of thermal binoculars yeah. on the market. Um, we've got the older Envision Atlas. Uh, they're not near as popular anymore. The Accolades mm-hmm. uh, have, have really been popular over the last few years. Now Pulsar has got the new merger coming. Mm -hmm. Uh, They look like a pair of normal daytime glass binoculars. I mean, they look like it. Really cool. Those are coming uh, hopefully this summer. We're excited to test those. Um, I'm going to make a a, a technical point here because somebody might point this out. None of these are actually binoculars. Uh, Technically, they're bioculars. And what that means is uh, even though when you look at those and they look like a binocular and there they're, looks like there's two lenses, mm-hmm. there's really not. Mm-hmm. There's, there's just one of those is the thermal sensor and lens. And so it's putting that single thermal image on two displays. So it's a biocular, okay. not a binocular. Right. Uh, again, we call them binoculars. They call them binoculars. It's, it really doesn't matter to you and me uh, for all practical purposes. Uh, if we had binoculars, um, I think you'd get a wider field of view. It could be very different. It, it would be really neat. Uh, that would be twice as expensive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's uh, that, that's something we may eventually see, but not right now. So with that said, I think if you're going to buy binoculars, um, we're going to call them that, binoculars, thermal binoculars, you, in most cases, should already own a thermal monocular, okay? There are exceptions to that rule. Um, I've got guys that are actually not um, night hunting, but they are using these for glassing for bear, elk, you know, whitetail, mule deer, whatever it is, a sheep. You know, if it's legal in mm-hmm. some of these states, which it is, to spot uh, you know, not, not hunting, but to spot with thermal, some guys are scouting with it in the off season. They're going out there yeah. and some of it's even in the daylight. Yeah. Okay. I want to be clear. It's not all at night, but uh, a guy told me, um, in his state, he can legally use thermal to scout or locate elk. Mm-hmm. And he said, 
we go in there at, at dark and we're watching with thermal to see where these elk go and bed up. And it was like huge advantage come morning. Right. He goes, I'm in there before daylight and I, I got to hope I know which way they're going. I don't want to get too close, but I'm going to where those elk were, where I saw them bedding up. So anyway, there's a lot of uses for them. I think binoculars in those kind of cases are really handy because you're doing a lot of scanning. I mean, you may be sitting there in one spot for 20, 30 minutes, just looking through these things. Uh, having both eyes gives a little you know, more depth perception. It gives almost this 3D feel. It's really nice. I think they're good for that. I think if you're a normal hog or coyote hunter, um, I think they can work well. But I think that there's a lot of times you're going to like just having a handheld monocular for the, uh, the, the quick scan, the small, shove it in your coat pocket, in your bag, in your pocket, or mm. whatever that is. Maybe you're riding down the road uh, or, or riding out in the field. You just want to look out the window there real quick. I think a monocular is easier. Binoculars, you're generally going to find yourself using them like daytime binoculars. They're heavier. Mm -hmm. You're going to use both hands to hold those up to your eyes and hold them steady. That just requires more effort. Um, same thing if you're in the field. You're going to probably want to wear those around your neck. Uh, it's going to be a little heavier walking with them. So I'm not saying these are the reasons you shouldn't buy them. I, again, I think they have a place. And, and everybody that, you know, Hans and I talk to, uh, customers that, you know, we go through all this, the pros and the cons, the guys that get them love them. Mm -hmm. I mean, they know what they're getting. They love them. The only complaints I've ever heard is kind of, you know, what I was saying there, a guy didn't think about that. He goes, Oh, it'd be easier binoculars. And he gets them. And then he's like, man, I'm walking through the woods. I'm climbing through barbed wire fences. I'm doing in the brush. He's like, man, they're hanging on. You know, that's not as useful. I think a monocular for a lot of things is, is still going to be preferred. So uh, I, I guess my answer to this is if you're sitting in a box blind or you're doing, you know, a lot of scouting, sitting there, maybe, maybe mm -hmm. you're sitting on a rock, maybe you're sitting in a chair, maybe you're, you know, down on the ground, whatever, scanning, scouting really really good i would highly advise them if you just like the idea of them maybe you know a lot of guys tell me that their wives like to use them they really like to have both eyes on there or maybe a hunting buddy mm -hmm. i would still advise in those those cases when you're actually doing a lot of night hunting to go ahead and get a monocular first and then let your binocular be kind of you know your your guilty pleasure that something like to really top it off i want the best uh, i'll go ahead and get the binoculars because they are cool yeah, I agree. I think the binoculars are, the picture image is fantastic. But again, if you move around a lot, if you walk around a lot, you're going to find it a little bit difficult to maneuver with them. Uh, it's definitely something for stationary, but you're right. The people that get them love them. Those accolades are very popular. They never stay in stock very long. Uh, and mm -hmm. and the picture image on them, like you said, is just, just phenomenal. So uh, yeah, I, I agree with you on that as well. All right, Hans, got another question for you. We are getting behind on this show. I can tell you run long. So <laughs> I'm going to ask you this quickly. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, this guy says, uh, I can't find his name, Trent. We have seen a hog slow down in Texas. It seems like it to me. Uh, everybody seems to be seeing less hogs except in certain pockets. What are your thoughts as to why are you seeing the same thing? Thoughts? Two things. Uh, first of all, pressure. I think, well, 
particular to the areas that, that I hunt in. There's some people out there that is like, yep. we're run over with hogs. We still got a bunch, but, uh, pressure, there are more people now hunting at night, hunting hogs than ever before. The popularity of the sport, obviously the popularity and availability of night optics, uh, more accessible to people, more people have them in our area. A few years ago, it would be, you know, not that many people had them. Now it seems like everybody has them and everybody's out running mm-hmm. around. Uh, and it's been, you know, kind of taken over as a, a bit, a big hobby all over the country hunting at night, whether you're predator hunting or hog hunting. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mm-hmm. think a lot of it has to do with pressure, but more than pressure, I think, um, in Texas, especially we're in, in drought conditions. We've been this way, I don't know, about a year or so. Uh, the last time I remember uh, th- being seeing this drastic of a slowdown in hog activity was back in two. Th- I think it's two thousand ten. The last big, 11. yeah, yeah, eleven. We had a huge drought. Yeah, yep. ten, okay, mm-hmm. eleven. Yeah, around that time we had a big drought. I mm-hmm. remember thinking then, I'm like, man, I haven't seen that many hogs around here lately. Um, I think it has to do with the the drought conditions in in the Texas area, uh, and I think that. I mean, I'm getting calls from people all the time like, man, have you seen many hogs? I was like, oh, I'd slowed down some. Mm-hmm. Like, I hadn't seen a hog in so long, and, and it slowed down, and, yep. you know, people not shooting as many hogs, which I guess it gets a double-edged sword. It's, it's a good thing. They're not tearing stuff up, but people like to get out in the hunt, uh, and they do like to see them from time to time. But, no, I, I it's it has slowed down a little bit, but I do think it's pressure and drought conditions. I think once the rain catches back up, uh, and you know, some of these, um, areas have more, you know, the ground's more moist and, and hold moisture and all that kind of stuff. I think that oh. they'll be out in the open more, get out back in the fields. I think everything's laying low, uh, near the rivers, creeks and swamps pretty much right now <laughs> down in the places. It's hard to find them. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that, um, I talked to a guy about this the other day and he brought up a good point and this may seem, you know, kind of silly to you really think about it is he said, you know, if you go out there and you shoot at a group of hogs, you know, two or three times, and they go, hey, this is not a good idea. Uh, he said, you know, they're going to change their patterns. And he was talking about how that can just actually get bred into the generations mm-hmm. of this is the area we stay at. We yeah. don't go over there. I mean, yeah. you know, the third generation doesn't know why they don't go to Hans's field, right. but they don't go exactly. there. And it's just this idea of, we don't go there, right. and, you know, and again, I'm not saying one specific field. I don't mean it just like that, but it's like we're, we're going to move to another area. We're going to stay down here where there's just as much food and nobody's shooting at us. And I do. I mean, they we know they moved to pressure. Yeah. I talked to a guy that's got a lease about 30, 40 minutes from me, and it is down in the middle of nowhere. It's got some really big paper company land and stuff around him. I mean, you know, thousands of acres and he's got this lease down there and he's like, man, we've got hogs like crazy never before. And and I know exactly where he's at. And I'm thinking, yeah, because there's so little pressure. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're in the middle of nowhere. There's just thousands of acres of woods and swamps and it's close to a lake. And like, you know, it doesn't surprise me. Right. You know, I think again, these hogs are moving around. All right. I agree with that. I'm going to move on quickly. All right. Um, last question. Oh, it's my question. Yeah, well, last about, question is for you. Yeah, you got one. Okay. Yeah. All right, go ahead. This is from, uh, looks like Travis in North Carolina. All right. Why do you spot and stalk versus just sitting in a blind or stand? That's a great question because sitting in a blind or stand sounds a lot more comfortable. 
<laughs> Especially this time of year, if you got a fan in there or something, man, you sit back and Ooh. air condition, yeah, and window unit, just what? Sit up a feeder and <laughs> sit there and wait for them to come in, then wait for them to come yeah. to you instead of you going out to them. Exactly. Okay. Two reasons. Um, there's nothing wrong with sitting in a blind. Um, I know there's a lot of guys that are older that say, "Hey, man, you know, I just, I just can't." you know, do all this spotting and stalking and walking around these fields and take a chance on tripping and falling at night and totally get it. Absolutely. Also, a lot of guys say, I just don't want to do it. I don't have any <laughs> desire. Um, there's also a lot of guys, and I know some people don't want to admit this, and, and they're, look, nothing to be ashamed of. It's the idea of, I don't really want to walk out there in the dark, you know, 20, 30, mm -hmm. 40 yards from this group of hogs that don't know I'm there and start shooting because, I mean, I've got video of what can happen. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I've, you know, we Hans, we've both had this issue of hogs coming at you and that's the whole debate. Mm -hmm. Are they coming at you on purpose or are they just randomly running in the direction and you happen to be there? Mm -hmm. I don't care. He's still coming <laughs> my way and I don't like it, even if it's an accident. Right, so right. I understand there's a lot of people don't want to do that and, and totally get it. Also, if you don't have a whole lot of land, uh, you know, it may just be the logical thing of, putting your pig pipe or your bait hole or your soured corn mm -hmm. or whatever and sitting on that stand or that, you know, and waiting on that, at that feeder for them to come to it makes total sense. For me, there's a couple reasons, uh, for, for spotting and stalking. One is it's a lot of fun. Um, for, for me, I really, I got into bow hunting about, mm, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago. I don't do it anymore. I don't have time anymore to sit there forever and I would have kids, but I loved it. And what I loved about bow hunting was just that getting so close to those deer mm -hmm. and those frustrating encounters of that animal was at 50 or 60 yards. And if I had a gun, he'd be dead, right. but I got a bow right. and I can't shoot him that far. I mean, I need him to be in this 20 or 30 yard range. And it's just this frustration, but it makes it so much fun mm -hmm. getting close. And so that kind of bled over when I really got into hog hunting. It was like, I get that rush of getting so close again. Mm -hmm. And it's just a lot of fun. Uh, the second reason is that if you're really wanting to kill a lot of hogs um, or more than one mm -hmm. or two, mm -hmm. and you want to up your chances, I always tell guys, the closer that your first shot is, the more chances you have to kill follow-up hogs. Mm -hmm. What I mean by that is simple. If your first shot is at 30 yards, and let's just say, you know, you shoot him in the head and hopefully, boom, he drops. You don't have to worry about him. You start taking those follow-up shots. Th those hogs scattered like a covey of quail. Yeah. Next shot maybe at 45 yards. Right. They're running. The next shot's at 55 or 60 yards. The next shot's at 80, you know, 100, 150, and then you're hail marrying them at 200 and just slinging lead. The point is you had a lot of opportunity. Even though those running shots are hard, it takes a lot of practice, you were closer. You had a better chance. Um, if if I'm sitting in a, a fixed position, and I'm hunting hogs and they're at a longer range, mm -hmm. uh, say they're at, you know, again, 100 yards, 150. When I take that first shot and they scatter, it's really hard to continue to get on them and get those shots right. because, again, they're just further away. Second thing, or third thing, I guess I should say, but maybe second thing was sitting in that stand 
is I don't have the quick mobility. Yes, you're on a rest, and yes, you can move as quick as you can, but when you're standing behind a tripod and you can spin around, it, it you have nothing stopping you. I mean, 180 degrees is very, very easy spinning around. So nothing at all against hunting out of a fixed position like that. I mean, at all. If that's what suits you or you enjoy it or it fits your, uh, you know, uh, hunting terrain and the ground you've got to hunt, no issue with it. Uh, it, it this spotting and stalking is, is not for everybody. And I don't say that like macho, like everybody can't. I don't mean that at all. It just doesn't interest everybody. Mm. And I totally get that. You know, you can sit back on that that stand. And uh, like Han said, man, if, if you got a, if it's cold, you got your little heater or mm. something, kick back and, you know, play on your phone or do something. It's not a bad gig. Yeah. It's, it's not. So it, to each their own, mm -hmm. but that's the reason I, I enjoy the up close and personal. And I like those running follow-up shots. And, and I just have mm -hmm. a lot of fun with it, even though a lot of times it is a uh, waste of ammo. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right. Well, I, I do a little bit of both. I do. I sit on bait piles from time to time. Uh, and I do lots of spotting and stalking. I like both. I really do. Um, if I'm trying to get yeah. some good video, uh, some stable video, you know, for testing a new optic, mm -hmm. you know, sitting on a bait pile is the perfect way to do it. Uh, but spotting and stalking is as fun as it gets. It's probably the more dangerous option, but it's it's a whole heck of a lot of fun. Yeah. In closing on that, I'll say this too. Um, if you're taking your kids or, or, or new hunters mm -hmm. or young hunters or whatever – I don't advise the super close spot and stalking. Yeah. It's 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 nerve wracking. There's some danger with the shooting and everything going on at once. Right. And uh, I, I know that that uh, you know my daughter's she's killed a lot of hogs out of a stand. And we did a spot and stalk her first one uh, a couple years ago, and she was nervous yeah. in the service. Yeah. And it was and it made me nervous. Mm -hmm. it made me nervous for her. Like, man, if these hogs start coming this way, so anyway, that's not the way to, to I don't think to introduce people. But we got to end this show, Hans. I'm going to give you this question. I'm going to let you answer it because you are uh, the resident late night vision show uh, coyote uh, hunter. <laughs> uh, you you do more of it than I do, so I'm going to yeah. let you answer this. Uh, do you prefer a hand or mouth call or electronic callers for coyote hunting? And if so, what are your favorite calls? And I'm just going to say this, guys. If you ever see me, um, I will be using an electronic caller. I've got some mouth callers, and it sounds like that coyote <laughs> has already been shot and wounded. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you don't want me doing it. It does right. not sound good at all. So well, tell us what you do, Hans. Yeah, I mean, I could do a whole show about this. But I, I, me too, the mouth calls, I just hadn't put enough practice time into it. Don't really use them at all. Tried it. I would love to use it. Just haven't done it. <laughs> haven't taken the time to learn it. I've got one hand call that works really well. Uh, and I've talked about it on the show, a little mouse squeaker that Primos makes. Uh, I've used that. I've called in a bunch of coyotes really, really close with it. Used one. Uh, I got one to come in last week up to about 20 yards uh, with that little hand squeaker. It's great for needing something quick. You know, you don't have time. You, you drive up and there's a coyote out there and you don't have time to throw out the electronic collar. I pulled up grabbed that squeaker, squeaked them into 20, 30 yards and shot them. But I, uh, the electronic callers is the way to go for me. Um, like I said, I, mouth calls are too difficult. Hand calls, there's just so many of them out there. And, you know, I, I feel like our, our coyotes at times we're calling in from pretty good ways away. 
like a lot of y'all are, but electronic callers, you know, there's so many good ones out on the market. I, I use a, a Lucky Duck. Um, I've talked to a lot of people, a lot of, you know, big time coyote hunters, and they really like the Lucky Ducks. But I know the Fox Pros are good, Ecotex, um, the, the Eotex, all of those are really good. But I just, I use the, the, the Lucky Duck Revolt, has a lot of good calls on it. And Jason, I've called in more coyotes here this year on bird sounds than anything uh, uh woodpecker sounds pheasants and there's not even any pheasants around where i live but uh we've called in some coyotes i was about to say yeah. how do they know what that is i know <laughs> and so we've called in a lot uh, the most of our coyotes that we've called in have been on those bird noises like i said like woodpecker and stuff but um i'm strictly i would consider myself strictly an electronic caller coyote hunter and i prefer lucky duck uh, but there's others out there. I know the Fox Pros make uh, X-Wave. That's really, really good. I was talking to a guy about it today. Uh, I mean, I think it just comes down to the, the calls that are on it. And uh, I don't know. They're, uh, I think all of them are, are pretty good. But that's the one I'm that, – so that's what I'm hunting with. And it's just the easiest. It's the easiest and the best shortcut to take when you're coyote hunting is throwing out an electronic collar, let it do the work, and uh, – it's it gives you a chance. There's a lot more. Uh, you can't really screw it up as bad with electronic call. You can. You can still screw it up, but not as yeah. bad. Uh, not as bad. But yeah, that's what I prefer. Hope that answered your question. Folks, There's probably more questions though. I, yeah. No. I, I I think that's good. So so, uh, folks, we're gonna wrap this. I mean, we could Hans and I can ramble. Y'all know that if you watch the show, we can, we can talk forever. But listen. We really like this format. We have a good time with it. We hope you do. If you got a question that you want answered, um, you know, send us an email or leave a comment. You just leave a comment below this on YouTube and say, hey, guys, next time you do one of these, here's what I'd like to know. I mean, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll scratch it down, try to get to it. Uh, these are your questions, the things that we get asked. Sometimes we get asked these over and over. And so, you know, we like to try to answer them. It's, it's fun. We hope you all enjoy it. And... I definitely do that. If you've got a topic that you want to see us talk about that may be more than we can talk about in, you know, uh, two or three, four or five minutes, something deeper, ask that too. And we can do a whole show possibly on or a half mm -hmm. a show or something. We want to talk about what you want to hear, you know? And so there's a lot of questions or topics or things. Sometimes, you know, some of the things it's just like, man, we don't know enough to, to mm. talk about. That's not yeah. our area of expertise. Right. So we might not do it. But if, if there's something we feel like, you know, we can answer and maybe help some people with, we'll be glad to do it. So throw those questions and stuff out at us, uh, you know, in the comments. Yeah. So thank you all for joining us again. If you're interested in night vision or thermal optic, outdoorlegacygear.com. Call and talk to me or Jason, 877-350-1818. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, thank you. So give us a, a subscribe, hit that subscribe button. Uh, if you're listening on the audio only versions, we appreciate you joining us today. Every Thursday for the late night vision sh show, a new episode the latest and greatest in night vision and thermal optics. Uh, please, please give us a good review on on one of those formats. Um, you can subscribe uh, to Jason over on YouTube at Outdoor Legacy Gear or on Facebook, Instagram, uh, all the hunting forums. You can find me over at YouTube on uh, my my channel, Hans East Texas, H-A-N-S-E-T-X, on, on YouTube. And you can find me on Instagram at Hans East Texas or Hans E-T-X. Uh, we appreciate y'all joining us, and we're going to see y'all soon.
All right, folks, I hope to see you all next week. We'll be back with another show, most likely a review. Not sure what it's going to be yet. We're going to pick something from that big, long list, and uh, we will be back to review it. Uh, Between now and then, you all stay safe in the fields and keep making those bacon pancakes. 